Okay. Good morning. Everybody enjoy breakfast? <laughs> so, uh, the, the, my rabbi would often quote the Baal HaTurim on the first word of Vayikra. And the first word of Vayikra, the Baal HaTurim writes, the Aleph of Vayikra is written as a small letter. When you look at the Torah and Vayikra, you see that the Aleph is written very small. And he says, why is it written small? Because Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to write Vayikar. And Hashem happened upon him, just like it's written with regard to Bil'am. But Hashem says, no Moshe, you have to put the Aleph. Means I'm directly speaking to you. But Moshe, in his humility, he didn't want to make the Aleph big. He made the Aleph small. Now the question is, there's no one greater than Moshe. Still, the Moshe was the greatest person. At the same time, Moshe was the most humble person. Like it says in the Torah, Ve'aish Moshe anav me'od. It's interesting that the word anav in the Torah, when it's written about Moshe, it's written Aleph Nun Vav, without the Yud. And uh, the rabbis say that if you take Anav and you spell out Ayin, and the letters of Ayin, the letters Nun and the letter of Vav, it comes to 248, which shows that Moshe, in all of his 248, he had humility. There wasn't a bone in his body that, had, uh, uh, that, had, that was conceited. So the rabbi would explain that in his humility, Moshe Rabbeinu, he minimized the Aleph, because the Aleph represents the I, the Ani. That represents the self, that represents the, the ego, and it was an example for us how to, we could deal with his ego. So, but there's a question that you have to ask. The word Vayikra, El Moshe, this is not the first time it appears. So if there's another time that it says Vayikra El Moshe, why in the other time that it says Vayikra El Moshe, is it not written with a small aleph? Why only here? Why only in the beginning of the book of Vayikra? So I said we could suggest maybe that it's done here specifically, that when Moshe is called into the Ohel Mo'er to speak to Hashem, because his humility here is put out right in front of us to see. And it'll assist us in limiting our ga'ava, and trying to strengthen our midah of anivut. One of the most difficult character traits for us to overcome is pride and hubris. And ga'ava causes a lot of problems, especially today. We live in a world, and even more so, we live in a community where you hear the words, even if you don't hear them, people think them. And they think, you don't know who I am? You, you, you don't know who I am? Do, do you know who I am? So, you know, I, I remember going once to a hotel many years ago, and my in-laws got there the week before us. And I was on a plane, and it was completely community. It was 322 people, all of them from the same block in Brooklyn. And they got online to go check into the hotel. And there were like only seven rooms that were like, you know, these beachfront little villa things that you couldn't reserve. And you got there, and every one of the 322 people wanted those seven rooms. And everyone got up to the lady in the front who didn't speak English and said, Do you, don't you know who I am? <laughs> no, I am. And it, it's really like, you know, we, we think that. And even when you try your whole life to try to minimize your, your pride and try to push your, your humility. Uh, so I heard a story. There's a, there's a doctor. His name is Alan Marinus. He's the founder of the Musar Institute. He's a leading figure in the revival of Musar. So this guy spends his whole life focused on Musar. He says he gave a talk, and after the talk, an old lady comes to talk to him. And she says to him, and she's speaking very, very slowly and deliberately. And she says to him, you have a wonderful, 
Wonderful. And he says he starts to think in his mind, I have a wonderful voice. Maybe that's what she wants to tell me. Or I have a wonderful presentation. He's thinking in his mind, I gave a wonderful presentation. In the end, what does she say? You have a wonderful wife. He says that I felt like I stuck it under my ankles. That I, that's where I was. He says, my whole life I'm working on this. I'm all thinking about is what she's going to compliment me about me. So he says, maybe when you're going in, when you're thinking Moshe is coming to the Ohel Moed, we should imagine we're going into the Amidah. We're going to talk to Hashem. If Moshe and the Ohel Moed, he's, he's facing with Hashem, how are you not going to have humility? If we come into the, to the Amidah, and we really imagine, I'm taking that first step, I'm going to Yushalayim, I'm going into the Ben Amidah, I'm going into the Kodesh Kodeshim, I'm standing there, me with Hashem, how could I not have humility? So the time we see Moshe's humility is to remind us that we're always with Hashem. When we come into the shul, what does it say on the top? Dalif nemi, or it says, you know, uh, it says Shivit Hashem Lenegdi. So whatever it's gonna say, what is it meaning to me? It's telling me that I'm always standing in front of Hashem. If I'm always standing in front of Hashem, how could I have hubris? How could my ego run amok? How could I not have humility? So so and it's one of the six hundred, according to the smug, one of the six hundred thirteen mitzvot is to not be arrogant. So I, I saw I saw a story, I'm just gonna tell you the story. So the, the story was, was really amazing and it really makes you think about, about your ego and anger and how to control it. Because when a person has ego, when a person thinks it's all about me, they can get very angry. The guy thinking it's all about me, he's behind the other guy. The guy didn't move, he starts to honk. Like, why are you taking away from my, you know, it's my... So he tells the story is, is told, it, it was amazing. I heard the story uh, two days ago. And the story was told by uh, Rabbi Shlomo Landau. And he heard it from this rabbi. His, rabbi, his name is Rabbi Chaim. He's a, uh, a Kiru speaker in Eretz Israel. He works with Arachim. He's one of those guys that everyone knows he's the Arachim guy. Like he's the guy of people who don't know. He's the guy who's Mechareb them. And listen to the story and think what would you have done. So he says his daughter got engaged and she's ready to get married and he took the responsibility he's going to buy the furniture. So they went, they looked in the store. Finally, he comes into the store in B'nai Brak to summarize, to finalize everything and the girl goes through the list with him. She comes up and she tells him 22,000 shekel. Tells him 22,000 shekel. He goes, you know, Jews don't pay lists for anything, you know, right? We got to get a discount. He says, well, you got to do a discount for me. 22,000 shekel, a lot of shekel. So she says, okay, she looks in the computer back and forth. She goes, listen, if you pay cash, we'll take it down to 20,000 shekel. He goes, okay, fine. He goes down the block. He's in B'nai Brak, goes down the block to the bank. Goes to the bank and he gets online. He goes to the telly. He texts it with Drosov. I need 20,000 shekel in cash. The lady says, Rabbi, I'm very sorry, but we're short on cash in the bank today. We didn't get our delivery yet. He goes, okay, what do you want me to do? He goes, well, if you wait a few minutes, we, we should have. He goes, but I have to pay this, and then I have to go to, I have a, a, I have a lecture in Haifa. So I, I, I really have to move. She goes, don't worry, give us a few minutes. He sits down, 10 minutes, nothing, 15 minutes. The bank president or manager comes to him. He says, Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim, I'm so sorry, but the only thing we have is 20 shekel notes. So if we're going to give you 20,000 shekel, we're going to have to give you 1,000 20 shekels. He says to himself, what do I care? I'm just giving it down the block to the guy down the block. He's going to give it. So they count out a thousand shekel notes. They find this big envelope, stuff it in the envelope, give it to him. And he's okay, happy. He walks down the block to the furniture store. What happened? They closed. Now he's standing there with this big bulging envelope with 20,000 notes in, in shekel. And he doesn't know what to do. He has to go to Haifa. He has to give the lecture. He can't go home to put it in the house. 
So he said, no, okay. So he goes to the supermarket, grabs a bag, sticks it in a bag, and then he's going to carry it in the bag. He gets on the bus to go to Haifa, and he's holding it, you know, for dear life. You know, he's nervous, 20,000 cash. He gets to Haifa, gives his lecture, everything goes really, really well. Now he leaves the lecture, he comes outside, and someone sees him go to the bus stop and say, Rabbi, you just missed the last bus back to Tel Aviv. He goes, no, what do I do? He goes, no, no, the train station right there. Just take the train. It goes to Azrieli. You'll, you'll get the train to Azrieli. Okay, he gets to the train station. But you have to go to the train station. You have to go through the metal detector. And you have to put your luggage on the thing. So he's nervous. He tells the guy, listen, I have cash in here. I don't want to. The guy says, don't worry. Just stick it on the conveyor belt. It's fine. He sticks it on the belt. He comes in. He takes the money. He gets on the train. So he gets on the train to go to, to, to Tel Aviv. He's sitting on the train. And now he's nervous. You know, is the envelope there? Is the money really in the envelope? So he opens up the bag. He opens up the envelope. He just looks to make sure. And, you know, you see just these bills. And, and he looks in the envelope. He doesn't realize the guy behind him sees him looking in his envelope on the train. He gets off the train. Now he's going into Azriel, which is the 47-story tower. And you can't. So there's security there because just to go into the tower from the train. So again, they ask him to go through the metal detector and to put the money. And he says, listen, I really don't want to put the money on the, on the thing. Let me just hold it. I'll show you what it is and we'll go through. Guy goes, I don't need. No, you have to put the money. You have to put everything on the conveyor belt. Okay, puts it on the conveyor belt, comes through the thing, takes out his keys, whatever, comes through the thing, gets the other end of the conveyor belt. Nothing comes out. Where's the money? No money. Tells the guy, what, what happened? The guys, they're looking, but it came out the money. Where'd it go? So apparently the guy who was followed by him on the train saw when he got to the conveyor belt and he was talking to the guy, he went through first. The money came through. This guy grabbed the bag with the money and kissed. Now what happens is he starts to freak out. The guy says, don't worry, we have cameras. We're going to be able to see. We'll get to, we have cameras. They go to the room with the cameras. All the cameras are working except that one. Yeah. The one camera not working is that one. So now he's freaking out. Like he wants to kill this guy because had he just let him carry the money, he would have still had the money. And he's like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to scream. You just want to, you, you know, you, you got to let it out on someone. So he says that I've been, tr- he said he's working on his midav kas, trying to get his anger under control. So he says one thing he was told was if you, if you take away the focus from the I, the me, and put it on someone else, it'll help. So he says in that moment, he made a commitment. There's a young girl, she's trying to get married. She needs money to get married. I'm going to give her a thousand shekel when I get back. I'm going to give her a thousand shekel right when I get back to my apartment towards her wedding. I'm going to be able to help her to get towards her wedding. And he says for whatever reason, thinking about someone else and taking the focus from the I, from the me, it broke him so he wasn't going to start screaming at the guy. The guy says, I'm so sorry. We're going to try to get a supervisor, see if we can figure out what to do, how the police, whatever. He goes, but you have to wait about 20 minutes until the supervisor is going to come. As he's standing there, a guy taps him on the shoulder. He goes, Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim, is that you? He turns to the guy. He doesn't know who the guy is. He goes, my daughter, she's having her bat mitzvah party on the 47th floor upstairs. Do me a favor, please, please. She listens to all your tapes. She loves you. Please come upstairs just for a few minutes. Give her a bracha. Take a picture with her. She'll be so happy. Speak for a few minutes. You're going to be there. It's going to be like the, the whole party is going to be because you came. 
He says, oh, what am I doing anyway? I might as well try to do a chesed. I might as well put my focus on someone else. Maybe, whatever. So my daughter's funny. My daughter, when I was thinking of the story, my daughter always says that when you lose something, you can't have yeush. Yeush is what the Gemara, it calls where you have like, I've given up hope. You can't, if you give up hope, then you gave up hope. She says, never give up hope. I told you, yeah, yeush is, is halakha. If someone has yeush and you find it, it's yours. <laughs> So, so I was thinking, he says, like, he must have had Yehush. At that point, he thinks, I'm never getting my money back. He goes upstairs, whoop, to the top of the elevator, 47 flights. Comes upstairs, big room with a big party. The guy takes him, introduces her to the daughter. She's so happy, came special, gives her bracha, says a few words to the people. And they take a few pictures. And as he's going to walk out of the room, he sees a familiar face. He sees the guy who was sitting on the train with him. And he sees the guy goes to sit at a table. He walks over to the table, and the guy gets up to get a beer, and he looks on the floor, and he sees his bag sitting on the floor under the tablecloth where that guy is. So he's thinking, should I just take the bag, walk out with the elevator and hatch? He goes, no, because what if the guy sees me? It's going to be a fight in the party, mess up the party. I don't want to cause a ruckus. So what does he do? He sits down on the other side of the table opposite this guy. The guy comes back with his beer and he leans forward and he says, Adoni. And he looks at the guy for a minute and then the guy has a flicker of recognition that this is the guy whose money it is. He says, we have a choice. My sister-in-law's sister is married to the chief of police. I could pick up the phone right now and call the chief of police and there'll be four or five cars here and ten cops and they'll come in and make a big ruckus and arrest you. Or you could do the right thing. And the guy, obviously, caught red-handed. Wow. He says, I'm so sorry. I was having these struggles, financial. All of a sudden, I see this money, and I think like, whoa, it was sent to me to take care and help me out of the situation. He says, well, just hand me back the money, and everything will be okay. So the guy hands him back the money. He goes, and now the rabbi turns to him and says, I'm sure you're going through a very difficult time. He goes, you can't even understand. He goes, then maybe you would like a vacation for a couple of days. He says, what? He goes, we have a seminar next week in a hotel. How about you come three days as my guest? And he says to himself, I'm going to spend 500 shekel to send this guy and I'm going to cover it, but it's worth it to see if that. He says, you know, they start to talk. He takes his phone number. Then later on, the guy eventually stays in touch, comes to the thing. He says, maybe it'll make you feel better. You'll understand a little bit. You'll understand why you shouldn't do something like this. He says, now what happens? The next morning, he goes to the furniture store. He has the big envelope filled with the cash. And he comes to the lady. He goes, you closed yesterday. She goes, yeah, we closed at whatever time. He goes, but I went to get the cash. She goes, okay. Gives the cash. She looks, she goes, what is this? I can't take a thousand, twenty, twenty shekel notes. You want to give me money? You should have given me two hundred shekel. What do you want me to do with this? He says, what do you want me to tell you? Cash is cash. What do you want me to tell you? This is what he gave me from the bank. She goes, no, I, I can't take it. She goes, well, let me call the owner. She goes to the back. She brings the owner out of the office. The owner is coming. What's the matter? What's the matter? He goes, he gave it. He goes, Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim. The guy goes, I listen to your, to your class. I watch your videos all the time. You're the best. He goes, What's the problem? He goes, don't worry about it. We'll take it. He goes, and, the, and he says to the rabbi, Rabbi, you have a good story for me? I, I love your stories. I want to hear a good story. He tells the man, I have a story, but it's going to cost you. What's my discount? And the girl tries. She goes, no, no, I already took 22000 gave him 2000 The guy says, that's your discount. Maybe I could give him a discount. It's a good story. He goes, it's a good story. He says, 
How does 1500 offer the price down? The amount, the thousand that he was giving the girl and the 500 that he was spending on the seminar for the guy. He goes, you want to hear a story? I got an unbelievable story for you. He says, how would we have reacted? He says, by taking away the eye, by minimizing the eye, right? Which is what Moshe is doing by taking the Aleph, the Ani, and minimizing it and focusing on someone else. And all Moshe's life, what did he do? He focused on other people. If we could take it and instead of focusing on the I, the me, that it's all about me, that everything that I do, if we could take it and focus on other people, it changes our outlook. It stops our ego. My rabbi always used to talk. It's always about the id, the ego. If we could push it away from us, then we change our outlook and we change how we do things. And I think it's, it's just such a, it was such a great story to hear to relate to this, uh, the little Aleph and Vayikra. Aruch Adonai Dodam, Amen ve